Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Well, welcome back to the family chat. And for all of you all who've been away for, for a while, welcome back. I'm glad you made it back safely and you know who you are. Always send our love to you and making sure that you have safe travels is always our prayer. But the chat, where did we leave our chat? Well, we left our chat by saying, the time has come for us to become stable believers. We must now become believers who are not shaken. Believers who don't waver. And in talking about becoming stable believers, that would have to mean that the sessions that we're getting ready to talk about have a very specific purpose. From sometimes you come to church and you know you get those messages that inspire you. That's not the purpose, the sole purpose of what we're getting ready to talk about in these sessions. Although you may receive some inspiration from them, keep in mind that it's really not to inspire you as much as it is to make you certain. It's not really designed as much to move you as it is to make you unmovable. What we're looking to do is build a community of believers. A community of believers that are so firm in their faith that no person, no situation, no circumstance, no added piece of commentary can change their faith in God. They're unmovable. Say this with me. I shall become, become unmovable. When I think about a person not being able to be shaken free from what they believe, in my mind, that says, that's a pretty big task. That's a pretty tall endeavor. But you know what? We up for the task. Amen. We up for the challenge. We are up for that endeavor. And where does that endeavor start? Well, in the center of it all is a book, family, that we call the Bible. What do we say about this book? We said that when you look at this book, it looks like any other book. As a matter of fact, when you hold it in your hand, it feels, guess what, just like any other book. But the Bible is more than just a book. The Bible is the word of God. And it is on that declaration that we must pause. You see, a Christian who's firmly rooted in their faith must believe the Bible is the word of God. When we make that type of stance, make that kind of statement, take that kind of stance. I have to stop and pause 
to make sure that I'm clear in the claim that I'm making. I have to make sure that there is no question because I don't want you to miss the fine point that I'm making. And here's the fine point. Sir, please give me my first slide. I've been sharing with you that we want to drive piles into your spiritual foundation. And the primary group of piles that we want to drive into your foundation, those piles say, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. Now, for those of you who didn't know what I was mentioning or saying when I was talking piles, on screen you have a picture of construction piles. Construction piles are designed to anchor the foundation. They're not the foundation per se, but they are the anchor to the foundation. They're made of very strong material. And they're rooted very, very deep in the ground. They're rooted so deep in the ground, as a matter of fact, that the foundation that's poured around it and anchored to it is virtually unmovable. That foundation is unmovable. And then upon that foundation, whatever you put, whatever you build, you know that that foundation is firm. If you look at the top and we return to my claim, read that sentence with me. It says, a Christian must believe the Bible is the word of God. So what point am I trying to make? Notice what is written, written there. I did not say a Christian must believe the Bible and stop. That's where many Christians are. But to be a stable believer, you can't stop there. Loved ones, you got to believe that the Bible is. A Christian can't just believe the Bible. If you want to be anchored, if you want to be certain, if you want to be sure, if you want to be unmovable, you have to believe that the Bible is. Now, once again, I don't want you to miss this fine point because some people may be like, that's a little bit overkill, Pastor, but no, it's not. As a believer, you have to believe that the Bible is something. What do you have to believe? You have to believe that the Bible is reliable. You have to believe that the Bible is the truth. You have to believe that the nature of the Bible is divine. That's where you have to be. Not just believe in the Bible, but the believing that the Bible, that thing that you hold in your hand that looks like an ordinary book that has pages and words on it like any other book, you have to believe that that thing is 
the word of God. If you look back up at this diagram, you will notice that this diagram has a place for three piles. And that fits our sessions perfectly. Because when we talk about a believer must believe, a Christian must believe that the Bible is the word of God, that belief is anchored, anchored on three tenets, on three piles. Next slide, please, sir. Those piles are the Bible is reliable. The second one, the Bible is the truth. The third one, the Bible is divine. With those three in the ground, therefore, I believe what the Bible says. The fact that you believe what the Bible says is not just based on general thought. It's based on you having a firm conviction that those three things are in case what it is. Whenever we're going through this sessions, I want you to keep this image in mind because this is what we're trying to build in each one of you. And that's the starting point. During our last session, we spent time on that first pile. Pile number one. During that time, you'll notice we talked about the Bible. We showed you the Bible physically but we didn't open it. We read not one scripture from it. Instead, we spent time staking our claim that the Bible is a reliable written word. By reliable, we mean that the words we read today is just as God intended us to have them. Although the actual biblical text was written long ago, dedicated individuals made sure that we receive the Bible unaltered. For the Old Testament, we said we received the Old Testament through the hands of dedicated scribes that meticulously made sure that each letter of that word remained intact. For the New Testament, we said that we received that word also through the hands of dedicated people. But even though it wasn't through the hands of a class of scribes, like in the Old Testament, we have over 5,700 ancient Greek artifacts that can confirm that we have the New Testament just the way the original writers wrote it. Therefore, we said, as believers, we can hold firm to the belief that the Bible is reliable. Today, we work on this second pile, or at least we start on it. And that pile is to make, let us know that the Bible is true, but more specifically, that the Bible is the truth. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 119 verse 160 in the King James Version. Today we crack open the word. 
And for those who were, who were not here, you may be wondering, how, how in the world can you come to church and have a whole, whole session and never even read a scripture and never really open the Bible ever through the whole 45 minutes or hour or however long you were there? Well, we, what we said was, if you don't really believe that the Bible is the word of God, you reading it won't be any different than you reading any other book. If you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God, then what you do is when you read it, it may be good words to you right then. But you know what you do? You make it optional. Yeah, it may be a good read. But you know what? You will dismiss it when it don't suit what you want to do every time. So that whole first session was. Listen, if we're going to read it, we're not going to play with it. At least you need to start having a good foundation to know that what you hold in your hand is more than just a book. Amen. And once you know it's more than just a book, a person that knows it's more than just a book, when, when he or she has a firmly rooted conviction that the Bible is reliable and the Bible is the truth and the Bible is divine. All of a sudden, when you hear something that comes out of it, when you read something that comes out of it, all of a sudden, it's what I must do. It's not just optional. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just, like I said, amen, don't it? It's, 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 it's not just something that you, you can take when it's convenient. When these piles are in your foundation, when it's reliable, when it's the truth, when it's divine, absolutely nothing moves you off of what it says. So, no, we didn't read it last time. Because when we open it up, when you put it on your tablet, when you click over it on your phone, it's very important that you need to know that it is not just some, what do they call it? Pulitzer Surprise winning writer that wrote some book that's on the on the New York bestseller list. No. Doggone it. That's the word of God and give it the due respect and place in your life that it deserves. But working on that second pile starting today, Psalm 119 verse 160 King James Version. It reads, thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. John 17, verse 17 in the King James Version. Jesus had this to say. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Family, we are very careful to say and to proclaim that the Bible is the truth, not that the Bible is a truth. Believing the Bible is a truth is not the same as believing the Bible is the truth. 
Both of those statements that I've made to you contain the word truth. But depending on whether or not you use the word a or the changes completely the meaning of that statement. A and the, <coughs> although small words make a big difference there. Do you believe or are you choosing to believe that the Bible is a truth? Or when you read it, do you have a conviction down deep in your heart that the Bible is the truth? English grammar rules say that the word a is an indefinite article. That means that it's, it's not specific. It's indefinite. It, it speaks to things in general. The article the is definite. It's specific. And whether or not you choose the A or the the depends on you how your foundation is going to be as a believer. Give me my next slide, sir. Let's talk about this for a second. You say A versus the. What's the big deal? We have two sentences, very simple sentences, kind of like see Jack run. Remember those? See Jack, see Jack run, all that kind of stuff. This two simple sentences, virtually the same. Virtually the same, only one small word different. The biggest word difference is only three letters. The first one says, that is a car I like. That sentence says that I like that particular car, but that might not be the only car I like. That car is just one of the cars that make the list of all the potential car options that I might like. That second sentence, though, that second sentence says, that is the car I like. That points to a specific car. That rules out every other car. That statement is definitive. That statement is not general. That statement don't bring in other cars for me to look at. Why? Because I've said I like that particular car. That is the car that I like. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, what a difference a day makes. You heard that, right? Well, I'll offer to you another phrase. What a difference an A makes. You see, you can't believe the Bible is the truth if 
you walk this earth trying to believe that the Bible is just a truth. A stable believer embraces the Bible as the truth, and that's important because truth is not relative. Truth is not a matter of perspective. When you hold truth as a matter of perspective, you know what that ends up with? That ends up with different people coming up with different views when looking at the same set of materials, information, and observations. And that is in direct conflict to the Bible. Because the Bible don't change based on the way you see it. The, the Bible don't shift based on the way I see it. The Bible's not a matter of, of perspective. It's not a matter of perspective, and it doesn't change. The Bible is the fundamental truth behind all reality. The Bible speaks to truth, not opinion, truth, not perspective. Next image, please, sir. Let's talk about this fundamental perspective versus, or fundamental truth, I should say, versus perspective. Fundamental truth versus perspective. Pastor, what do you mean by that? On, on, on the screen behind me, you should see a house. There's a home. Now, I can, I can look at each one of you, come one at a time and sit by you and say, you see that house on the screen up there? That's the most beautiful house in the world. Some of you might agree, but it's a lot of you that won't agree. Why? Because I've made a statement based on that could be perceived differently. Looking at the same image, we can have different perspectives. But if I begin to talk about that house and fundamental truth, I would say that house has a roof. It has a front door. It has windows. It has a garage. None of that is up for debate. None of that changes versus based on perspective. Why? Because when I speak about fundamental truth, there is no other perspective that can be had except that is true. Family, the Bible speaks a fundamental truth. And there is no other perspective that you can have except that the Bible is true. Let's give you another, let's give you another example. Take this glass. And I'm going to take this small bottle of water. Take this glass right here. 
I'm going to take this glass. And you know, I don't have the, put the sound on the audio. You know, I don't try to get, try to get it on there so they can. Oh, he really is pouring water. <laughs> yeah, that's about good. Okay. Take this glass. I poured, I poured water in this glass. Now, when you look at this glass, among a variety of people that actually discuss this situation, at least three perspectives, at least three, can come out of it. You know them. One, the glass is half full. Right? The next one, the glass is half empty. The third one, the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. All of those views, I mean, they ac accurately describe the situation. Nobody's wrong there. But if I focus on the fundamental truth, there can be no debate. And that fundamental truth is there's water in this glass. Once I make that statement, all perspectives must converge on the truth. Family, that's your view of your Bible. That should be your view of your Bible, that the Bible talks to me in fundamental truth and the truth that it says, I don't put it up for debate. I don't bow my belief to perspective. Why? Because I believe that my Bible is the truth. The message behind these examples is that perspective can spawn, can spawn a lot of different views, but truth doesn't change with perspective. Truth gives you the same answer every time. Truth gives you the same reply to the same circumstance Every time truth is unchangeable. Truth is timeless. More importantly, truth stands alone. There can be only one. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible is the truth. When I say that the Bible is the truth, I'm not trying to convince you. As a matter of fact, if you're out and about in this world, I don't have to convince you that there are several enemies of our word. There are several 
people throughout history, even today, that have done their best to try to taint and unvalidate or invalidate the word of God. But you know what? The word of God continues to stand the test of time. Why? Because truth is timeless. But in building your foundation, let's go a little bit deeper. The history of the Bible. Remember, we said this is not history class. This is not a class on a Christian apologetics. But we, we have to put our toe in the water just to get this pile down deep. The history of the Bible is not really one of those things that's, you know, it's, it's debated, but it's not necessarily hotly debated because you can verify the Bible by looking at other books. You can verify the things that the Bible talks about, the major things, by other books that have been written throughout time. So I, would, I wouldn't say that that's, you know, the, 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 the most debated piece about the Bible. For example, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, it doesn't just talk about you know, it, the children of Israel, they're, they're, the, they're the stars of the show. But it doesn't necessarily just talk about them alone. It talks about people and events, like verifiable things that happen in history. For instance, the Old Testament contains history about Egyptian pharaohs and kings of Babylon, Mesopotamia, Syria, Persia, Persia and more. The New Testament talks about a Roman dictator named Caesar. Talks about a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate. A king of Judah named Herod the Great. A king of Judea, excuse me, named Herod the Great. The New Testament also speaks about a man that history said actually was around, a man that we call the Christ. The Bible is full of history, history that well-respective men and women say, yeah, that's a good record of history. It's good because they can research it and trace it back through other materials. But to us, the Bible is more than a history book. To us, the Bible is just not an account of things that happened in the past. To us, the Bible is the word of God. It's the truth. And when we make that stance, that puts us in the center of what I consider. I'm going to say the most debated things, but what I consider to be the two most debated things in our Bible my claim. And I refer to those as the debates at the two beginnings. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible that you read has an Old Testament and a New Testament. Old Testament.
from Genesis to Malachi. New Testament goes from Matthew to the book of Revelation. And in the beginnings of those testaments, it's the thing that people like to dig their heels in and talk about and try to discredit our word. For the Old Testament, the topic centers around the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, and it deals with creation. Something that our, Bob, our Bible tells us that an all-powerful, almighty God did. Our Bible tells us God created. In the New Testament, the debate is around, you know, those first five books of the New Testament. Those five books that talk about, hey, there was once a man born of a virgin. A man who was, but make sure I'm going to make it clear, we know he still is. So when I say was, don't get it twisted. I'm just keeping my verb tenses right. But it says that there was a man who was the son of God. A man who lived this life without sin. A man who was crucified and a man that rose again. We call that man Jesus. A name that also is, is, is referred to as Emmanuel. God with us. Now, we're not going to shy away from those two things. Because if we're going to build a firm foundation in you, if you're going to be a believer with conviction, we can't shy away from things that come to taint our word. We must know for ourselves why we believe the Bible. It doesn't matter what added commentary comes my way. If I'm rooted in that it's reliable, if I'm rooted in that it's the truth, if I'm rooted that it's divine, I don't care what your science has to say. Why? Because I'm true to my label that I wear. I am a believer. Amen. Remember, a person can put a label on themselves all they want to, but their actions and deeds really did really point to who they really are. We got to be unmovable. Amen. We can't continue to be shaken. Just because somebody puts up a banner and does some research, all of a sudden we, well, maybe the Bible isn't true. On that regard, you believe that the Bible is a truth, not the truth. The aim here is to get that uh in your life, out of your life, and switch uh with the. So on these two hardcore items, let's ball up our fists and jump in. Let's start with the New Testament. Go to Genesis 1. The Old Testament, excuse me, Genesis 1. Genesis 1, King James Version, starting in verse 1. You can't get any more 
at the start of the Bible than Genesis 1 verse 1. Reading that first verse only. It reads, read that with me. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That scripture on the screen, family, says, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. The Bible says that right up front. As far as the theory that said or says everything started with a big bang. When I look at my Bible, hey, when everything got created, even if there was a bang, God was in control of it. I can't tell you that when he created everything, it was deathly silent. Why does that move you? Okay, there was a bang. But my Bible tells me in Genesis 1 verse 1 that God created. There was no billions and billions of years of life evolving from tiny microscopic particles that ultimately turned into everything that we see. The Bible that I read tells me that in the beginning, God created. What did he create? If we were to read through Genesis 1, we would learn that he created everything. By the way, family, in six days. Go ahead and slip that in there. Just a little nugget for you. It's in there. Read it for yourself. But in six days, the Bible tells me that God, who created all, created the heavens and the earth, created light, started the process of day and night, separated the sky from the ground, divided the waters and the dry land, created vegetation, created every living creature on land and in sea, and finally, he made man, or we all know that means mankind. With all the variety of creation, are you meaning to tell me that I am supposed to believe that all of that variety and detail emerged from a self-igniting explosion that created the cosmos? No, I don't believe that. Consider this. Virtually every creature of some noticeable size has a matching pair. In other words, virtually every creature, nearly every creature has a male-female counterpart. Male dog, female dog. Male cat, female cat. 
male chicken, female chicken. Male penguin, female penguin. Male eagle, female eagle. Male buffalo, female buffalo. If you look at mammals, matching pair. It's the case with creatures in the sea, matching pair. It's the case with reptiles, matching pair. It's the case even when you look at insects. The predominant rule is matching pair. With the predominant pattern being a male-female matching pair, that tells me that somebody planned it all. That didn't all happen by happenstance. The pairing is by design. Go to Genesis 1, starting in verse 21. In the easy-to-read version, Matching pair, male lion, female lion, male zebra, female zebra. Matching pair, that's by design. That's not by happenstance. Genesis chapter 1, easy to read version, starting in verse 21. So God created the large sea animals. He created all the many living things in the sea and every kind of bird that flies in the air. And God saw that it was good. God blessed all the living things in the sea and told them to have many babies and fill the seas. So God created all living things and then he sent them forth to reproduce. That's important. 23. There was there, there was evening and there was morning. This was the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce many kinds of living things. Let there be many different kinds of animals. Let there be large animals and small crawling animals of every kind. And let all these animals produce more animals. And all these things happen. So God made every kind of animal. He made the wild animals, the tame animals, and all the small crawling things. And God saw that this was good. Then God said, now let us make humans who will be like us. They will rule over all the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. They will rule over all the large animals and all the little things that crawl on the earth. So God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like himself. He created them male and female, matching pair. God blessed them and said to them, have many children. Fill the earth and take control of it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. Rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. The command to reproduce requires that there be a matching pair. The command to reproduce requires a male and female. The Bible tells us that that's how God created things. And yet people sit there and try to convince me that all that happened without the hand 
of a divine creator. To me, that sounds unlikely. The truth is God created it all. He created living things how he wanted them to be according to their kind right then. Hence, when the Bible says he created man, God created man. Mankind did not evolve from primates, simians, chimps, or apes. Oh, you know I wasn't going to let that one go by. <laughs> the Bible says that God created man. But evolutionists say differently. But we're going to drive that pile. We believe the Bible is the truth. The Bible does not say we evolved from primates or simians or apes or monkeys. Sir, give me my slide. Let's talk about DNA. This is all material. I didn't make any of this up. These are researchers and people that said this kind of stuff. Look, this is my, my now this is, this is me. This is my biblical view of DNA. But since you're part of the Smith family, let's get you rooted like a Smith. It says, when you look at humans, human to human, 99.9%, .9%, I'm going to call it 100%, but the DNA among humans are the same, virtually the same. The only differences are those little minute things that make each one of us unique. But when you look at us scientifically, 100% is what I'm going to call it. Next slide, please, sir. Now, when they start looking at our closest DNA pair, besides people, we get to this kind of thing. It says that we have a 98% match to the chimpanzee. That is the anchor, the thing that kind of spawns evolution. Man, we're when we look at you and we look at this primate, we look at these chimpanzees, apes, man, the DNA is pretty close. Right? It sounds funny, but it's nothing to laugh at. This is real, right? But we're, we're, we're driving piles. We have to become unmovable. We have to become unshakable. This is what they say. Give me my next slide, please, sir. Now, the debate is all over the place. Because there are people 
that say humans did not evolve from chimps or gorillas or any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, if you really dig into it and you sift it right, that that 98% that you claim to be a match between us and those simians is really 80% and maybe even as low as 70%. But now, even the people that don't take that view, they actually say humans did not evolve from chimps. I'm talking about like the Smithsonian and PBS and WGBH, you know, those kind of things. They, they say we didn't, we didn't evolve from, 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 from chimps, but they put in there that we know today. Their contention is we do share a common ancestry, though. We do share a common ancestry. But once again, my Bible tells me that God created. Sir, can you give me my next slide? Yeah, I want you to let that sit for a while. For those on the audio, my next slide says in big letters, I don't care. I don't care what they say. I'm not moved by what they say. The Bible tells me that God created. Now, you know what else? This might surprise you, but those percentages that they talk about, that don't surprise me either. When they say that 100% human to human and 98, whatever the right percentage is, that is a, a, a look like match of primate, that, don't, that, don't, that percentage don't surprise me. It don't move me, but doesn't surprise me. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 7, King James Version. It doesn't surprise me because you know what, family? The Bible doesn't tell me that God used different materials to create every living creature. The Bible doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, what the Bible tells me is that God used the same material. Hmm. Check this out. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 7, King James Version. And the Lord formed man, what does that say? Of the dust of the ground. Okay, so we start over. And the Lord formed, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Same chapter, go to verse 18. Genesis 2, 18 reads, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Verse 19 says what? And out of the ground. 
Once again, back to verse seven. The Lord formed man where? Of the dust of the ground. Back here to verse 19. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. The way I see it, all living things should have some similarity. Because a well-planned architect and efficient creator used the same basic building block. He used the same basic building block. Sir, go ahead to my next slide. Let me show you something. We always stop at chimpanzee. But did you know Based on DNA, humans, 92% same as a mouse. Hmm, sucky, nah. 44% of fruit fly, 26% yeast, 18% a weed. You see, my brother, that's why I can't turn away from my cannabis. It's my decent ancestry that's driving me. It be calling my name. I can't help it. It's in my DNA. I got to get my ganja on because, you know, I am 18% weed. No, that's a weed, brother. Granted, it's a plant, but let's not use that as justification to get crazy. has to say I'm part weed, so ha ha. That means I can get my smoke on. Next one, please, sir. Now, if you keep, if you keep driving that, somewhere between 92% mouse and 44% fruit fly, there's some other stuff. Kind of in this order. Under mouse, you pick up the cat. Dog, the cow, that's like in the, that kind of like uh, 80, 90% zone maybe. Then you end up getting to like fowl, birds, like the chicken. That's somewhere in the, I think it's 50s and 60s percent, something like that. You start picking up that. But frankly, once again, I do not care because the Bible tells me that God created and none of this bothers me. None of this surprises me. Why? Because my God used the same basic building blocks for all things. As a matter of fact, he was very efficient. Why do I say that he was very efficient? If we were to look at this and you were to comb through Genesis, you will see that God built everything from the basic building block up to the higher, more complicated creature. He started with vegetation. And from vegetation, he ultimately moved up to animals. And from animals, he ultimately moved up to the most complicated one, people. Each one with a specific twist in the DNA to engineer a creature 
that's specific. That's God. That's not happenstance. That's not a generic explosion. That's not just simple evolution. That's an engineered ecosystem. That's an engineered creation. Look at John chapter 1, verse 3, King James Version. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all of creation is by design. I'm telling you, the Bible is true. I'm telling you, the Bible is the truth. I'm telling you that God created all. Anchor yourself. John chapter one, verse three says this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by who made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 19 in the Amplified Classic Bible. Believer, be stable. Romans 1, 19, Amplified Classic reads like this. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, attributes that is his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made his handiworks. So men are without excuse, although without, men are without excuse altogether without any defense or justification. Those same verses in the Message Bible just makes it clearer. They read like this. But the reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such, can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being, nobody has good excuse. If you take a long, hard look at creation, you have to conclude that that was by design. You have to conclude that it was by some master planner, some master creator, some, some, some master architect. Anyone can see it according to the Message Bible. Now, as believers, for certain, we must be people who can look at all creation and know for certain that it testifies to us that God created all. Amen. 
all creation in the eyes of a believer must testify that God created all and that that is the truth. And that truth involves that God is real. And in the beginning, God created all, just like the Bible says. Just like the Bible says. Say this with me. I shall be, I shall be a, stable a stable believer. That means, that means my, foundation my foundation will be anchored, will be anchored by, three by three unmovable, unmovable things. things. One, One, the Bible, the Bible is, reliable. is reliable. The Bible, the Bible is, also is also the truth. The truth. And, the Bible and the Bible is divine. Yes, on our way to be stable believers. Amen. So what do you think? Are you liking our journey so far? Yes. <laughs> Good. I told you you would. Told you it might be a little different. But without a doubt, I told you you would like it. And it's not simply about you liking it. It's about you getting certain. When we leave this place and we go wherever we go, we are a walking foundation. We're not people who, is, who are shifted and changed by every wind of doctrine. When you say you are a believer... You are firmly rooted in your faith position. Other than that, come back and see us next time. We'll continue to talk. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.